Well, thank you for joining us. I'm going to start off um, before we hear from God's word, and I'm going to start off in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask, God, that you, when in our homes, in the places we work, um, wherever we are, Lord, that you would be with us this week. Um, Lord, we ask that as we, we dig into James chapter 2, God, that you would change our hearts, convict our hearts, um, transform us, make us be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And just because we're not meeting in person doesn't mean we're not meeting with you, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask uh, your blessing over this time this morning. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, my name is John Mueller, and I'm the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church. And I'd like to welcome you to our Sunday morning service online. And it's going to be replayed at 6 p.m. So, if you missed it this morning or you are just hearing this, it's going to be replayed at 6 p.m. Today, we're going to be looking in the book of James. We're continuing a series called Lent, and I think the thing that we forget about Lent is Lent is about sacrificing things and, and, and removing things from our life um, so that we can reflect on Jesus and what he's done for us. And so we're going to be focusing today on more how to love your neighbor and love your friends around you. And so Lent is this 40 days leading up to Easter from Good Friday. And so if you have our app, you can click on the link at the top of the feed and you'll have our, what we are calling our digital bulletin. It's on version, And you can look at that and watch on one device and then look at the, the bulletin on another device. So today we're going to be talking about something that I know we've all encountered. It's called playing favorites. <laughs> Haven't you ever been picked last when you were a little kid? where there were sports you were good at and things you were not. I, I knew that. I knew I was good at certain things. You know, if, if I told Pastor Aaron that I wanted to be a vocal soloist, he would laugh because there's no way. I'm not good at it, and I've known that my whole life. But if I'd been picked to play on a soccer field, it would have been a different story. And so if your dad was the coach of the team, it was the assumption that you would get to play no matter who you were. We all, we all have these assumptions that people are going to play favorites. And I, and I realized when I was playing sports, no matter how good I was, that I would have to have my parents give money or do something so that I'd be able to do it. And so as parents, we, we, we shouldn't play favorites, but sometimes we do. Let me give you an example. With my kids, I find myself saying this often. You're my favorite, and then I want to say favorite, but I, I have to keep going. I do catch myself at that point, and I find myself saying things like, you're my favorite firstborn daughter, or you're my favorite secondborn son, or you're my favorite, and, and we say things like that, but there's qualifications, but yet still, we struggle with saying, saying things that lend itself to playing favorites. God looks at us differently, though. He looks at us with equal value since we're made in his image and we each have souls. We can't forget that. If you, if you think we just started struggling with playing favorites, this has been happening since the beginning of time. Cain and Abel were struggling with who was favorite before God's eyes. Every day, we struggle with playing favorites with our bosses, with our families, with our community. Like, who is favored? And so we have to remember, 
just like James reminds us in James chapter 2, which will be there today, that the early church struggled with this, and we will struggle with it too. So turn with me to James chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 through verse 4 for you this morning. My brothers, show no partiality as you would hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes to your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you will sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The brothers here that, that Paul's referring to is everyone, everyone that makes up the church. If you're listening, you are everyone. It was a greeting of affection. It wasn't, you don't just call anyone your brother or sister. There's some people you don't want to even call your enemy, but you're just like, you know, brothers and sisters, that's, that's a huge compliment. Partiality is just a word that means playing favorites. It literally means don't receive the face. Don't look at externals. Don't look at what's on the outside rather than what's inside. Proverbs 21 or 28.21 says, To show partiality is not good. It's clearly not good to play favorites with people. It's not that we don't treat people differently, but James is saying, like Jesus, we can't judge based on ex externals. If someone is rich or someone is poor, they're wealthy, they're not wealthy, that's not what we should be looking to, to look at with other people. His point is simple. And James, James is very clear. The book of James is a book that could be just preached as a sermon and just read as the sermon itself. And so we have to remember that, that God is so good in that there's so much more richness to his word sometimes. James's point is that Jesus didn't play favorites. Simple as that. When we play favorites, we end up judging one person, their soul, as more value than another person's soul. Let me, let me give you some examples. If someone can be the CEO of a company, they can be on a church board. If someone can be the CEO of a company, they can surely lead the church. They can do that. Well, it's not always the wealthy, but many times there's education too that we look at. So she's got a master's degree and checks off all the boxes academically. Let's have them lead this team. The assumption is that education, wealth, or leadership outside the church makes you morally superior, smarter, maybe more disciplined, but that's just kind of an illusion. The implications are that you're a better person, more fit for the kingdom of God. But all that is happening is really superficial. We're looking at what the world looks at and applying it to the whole person. And we're forgetting what James here is addressing. Let us not forget what James 1.27 says. If we go back to the last chapter, the end of the last chapter, it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. People following Jesus will be more inclined than ever to take care of the needy, to help the needy, rather than move away from them and be afraid of them. 
But playing favorites is not just something to do, it's called out in the strongest of terms. It is evil. There's only so many things in the Bible that are called evil. This is called evil. It's evil. Letting the world determine someone's spiritual worth is the opposite of what is good, what is right, and what is true. We can't forget that. So how do we not play favorites? If it's, if it's something that we just do in our DNA and it's, it's something we all are going to struggle with, how do we not do that? We need to remember two things. The first thing we need to remember is that Jesus is superior to the wealth of the world. Jesus is superior to anything that is in this world. James makes it clear, to love your neighbor, you need Jesus to be the highest influence in your life. The highest influence. He deserves all the honor we can give. All of it. We will not play favorites when we think we can be rich with him instead of being rich in the world. We honor Jesus because not because he's rich in money, but he's rich in glory. He's the creator that created us. He's so much greater than any person that we could have at church or as part of the church. We need to remember that. He's superior to the riches of the world. He's the one that is superior to anything we can gain in this world. We also need to remember, secondly, we also need to remember Jesus sacrificed for the needy. Before we think it's not good to be needy, we need to realize more than ever that we are not self-sufficient. We need each other. In a time like this, what's happening around the world, we need each other more than ever. And we can't forget that. We all are needy. Say it with me at home. I'm needy. It's not a problem to be needy. It is a problem when we don't turn to Jesus. If not for Jesus' sacrifice for those that were needy, we wouldn't have salvation. We cannot be entirely independent and self-sufficient. It's just not possible. From the beginning of time, we've had a dependency on God and other people. It says in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. That has always been true. We are not alone. That is why we have the church. That is why we have community. That is why Jesus did what he did. In 2 Corinthians 8.9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, for your sake, he became poor. So that in poverty, his, by his poverty, you might be rich. We can't forget that. The last thing we need to do as we follow Jesus is play favorites. We should never do that. But because of our poverty of relationship, poverty of the soul, Jesus died for us. So we know that there's no reason to. We're on the level playing field. If, if anything... Jesus was focused on those he knew were needy. Shows that we have hope. We have an opportunity. When we were in poverty, Jesus reached out to us when we had need. Right now, we see needs around us, and, and we can help with those. We can't discriminate right now or ever. The church is one place, no matter your economic status, that you can have the same status. It should be that way. That's what it should be. But God looks at the heart, and we should too. Does the example of Jesus not playing favorites have an effect on us? 
Does his example of sacrificing for the needy change our hearts? How can we make sacrifices for people that maybe were just laid off? Or how are we going to make sacrifices in this time of great need? One thing is, this Friday, Sunlight is sponsoring Free Meal Friday downtown in the mound. We're, we're going to feed 200 families. And it's about eight portions. So it's actually 1,600 meals, 1,600 people fed. You count two meals. So you can give to this right now or volunteer to put food in people's cars just in their trunk or give using our app or going to the website, give to community outreach. We need to rise up church and help each other, not forget the world around us because we need the hope of Jesus and they do too. Everyone else does. So listen with me, uh, continuing in James 2, 5, I want to continue this passage because James continues here to tell us some very important things. Listen, my beloved brothers, God has not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which has promised those who love to those who love him. But have you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? James is asking us, who is responding to the good news of Jesus Christ? What's the answer? What's the answer to the question? God was and is many times calling those who are poor. Paul made the same observation in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, where it says, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish, foolish in the world to shame the wise. But God chose what is weak, weak in the world to shame the strong. Paul and James are not saying that the church is only for, full of the poor and the weak or that we shouldn't reach those who are wealthy and influential. I think it's clear from our culture, we're quick to claim celebrity salvations where someone, someone pursues Jesus and all of a sudden they're this instantaneously mature follower of Jesus. Essentially, we're missing the point that James is trying to make here, that he's trying to say. Jesus is giving the jackpot to the poor. He's giving the jackpot to the poor. Jesus is the spiritual jackpot. For anyone that is spiritually poor or, or anyone that is needy, the world has given the poor the lowest positions, but yet God has given them the highest position. Right now we have an opportunity. No one is able to make themselves right with God on their own. Through their own work, Jesus did everything for us. We have nothing to contribute. Everyone's on a level playing field. Though your body might fail you, though your finances are not in order, to put it another way, the wealthy and influential need reaching because they're lost, not because they matter more. The first will be last and the last will be first. That is exactly true in our lives. Every day, there's opportunities in the kingdom of God to let someone go first. You know, the greatest thing that I see is when someone lets someone go first in the grocery line because they've got less items or maybe they're older than them. Or in this case, 
that what's happening right now, people are, are shopping for people that are elderly or have immune, are immune compromised or they're doing things for others because they care for others. James even goes further to say how much we need to love our neighbors. Continue with me at James 2.8, where it says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Are we doing well, church? That's a question James is asking. But there's a but here. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. We must not forget that Jesus is king. He's the king of the universe. Nothing that is happening right now changes that. When you look on world leaders' faces, you can see that they can't control COVID-19. But Jesus is still reigning on high and there is peace. Jesus loved his neighbors. He loved his neighbors. We naturally gravitate to people like us. This is how it goes. There's one group like us, and we assume, we, we think that that group is more comfortable, more safe than another group that is not like us. But all we're doing is looking at the outside of people when we do this. We, we, we can't forget that neighbor is a term of proximity. It's not if someone else is like us or not. Neighbor is how close we are to people. So who's your neighbor? Anyone you're around. Right now that you're, you're living in a community, social distancing from others, but you still have neighbors all around you. If we're going to love our neighbors like Jesus, we're going to realize that we're on a level playing field with others. To love your neighbors like Jesus starts on that level playing field that's at the foot of the cross. Because at the feet of Jesus, every knee will bow. That is the level playing field. That is the law that is horizontally focused on those around us. When, when Jesus pursues us and, and, and we find faith in him, we're focused on loving others. That's that horizontal law. And we can't love God if we're not loving others well as, as well. But there's one thing that's constant. Jesus loves you the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In the kingdom of God, there's no favorites because we can all access the riches of Jesus Christ. What's our attitude towards the poor? Towards those that look different than us, act different than us. God's ways are not the world's ways. Playing favorites disrespects others. It disrespects God's creation. It dishonors God. But God comes to those that express their spiritual need, their neediness. So let's do that this morning in your home. Let's pray together for the hope we need. If you're sitting in your home, you can raise your hands. You can, you can sit with your head bowed. You can, you can do whatever you want. Stand up. Pray with your eyes open. It's not, it's not the, the way we pray, but it's what we're praying and what is on our hearts. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be a people, a people that give equal value to all people. That we don't see others on the externals, but we see them as people with souls and character. 
We're asking you to change our lives right now with that truth. Help us, those of us that are, that are watching, that are, that are lost, to find faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We need you, God. We need you because you sent your son to die on a cross, to be raised on the third day with power and strength over life and death. Don't let us forget that. Don't let us forget that. Right now, we're asking you for eternal hope if we don't have it. Eternal hope. We're asking for the ability to see others as souls in need of saving. God, we're asking that, that we can see people that need Jesus and we can give them what they need. God, we pray for each other as the church of Jesus Christ that this would be an opportunity for us to love our neighbors and care for our neighbors and that we wouldn't forget that while we were still needy, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died on a cross. He also died for the person down the street and the person at, at school and the person at our job and the person that might be in the hospital sick right now. He died for every single person. So God, help us to be the people bringing hope to our community. Let us call or, or text or, or communicate in some way this week with other believers, but also with people that need the hope that we have within us. God, help us to have the courage to share in this time. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunlight, we'd love to hear from you this week. We're thankful that we get to be a part of you in your home worshiping Jesus together. And so we would love to see opportunities where, where people are, are calling each other, texting each other, uh, notes of encouragement, or sending letters even. I know that's, that's really old school, but it'd be great to see people writing notes to each other. And, and we pray this week would be a week of an encouragement for you. So we want to see God move through you this week. Thank you so much for being part of our service today. We're so glad to have you here with us. We'll be premiering the Sunday service at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. every Sunday. And we would love to have you join us for a devotional every weekday at 6 p.m. We also have a Tuesday evening prayer group that meets at 7 p.m. You can find the link for that on the Facebook page. Thank you so much for being a part. Please let us know how you're doing. We want to stay connected. Have a really good week.